Welcome to The Resilient Responder, the podcast where we explore stories of strength, courage, and unwavering resilience in the face of life's challenges told by first responders. Join us on a journey of inspiration and empowerment as we dive in with Dylan, Josh, and Patrick. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to The Resilient Responder, the, uh, I'm sorry, The Resilient Responder hosted by Scars Incorporated and um, sponsored by First Responder Coaching. My name is Patrick Clark, and to my left... Did you forget what we were doing tonight, I, or what? It was our... That was wow. the worst yeah. introduction. Yeah, and not like we you know, already started, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Let's, let's, let's take two. Yeah, take, take two. Yeah, yeah. Good evening, everybody. I'm Dylan, as you know. Josh Hagen. And then we are welcoming a special guest with us, uh, and we'll let him do uh, his introduction. However... Uh, it is a Veterans Day special for us. Uh, we want to recognize and thank from the bottom of our hearts all the veterans that have served and protected this great country uh, to be able to do exactly what we're doing right now. But Mr. Morgan, would you like to introduce yourself? My name is Jason Morgan. I've been a first responder for the last 35 years, uh, starting out with River Road Fire Department in 1988, uh, joining Westover in 1989, and I'm currently inactive, uh, but I was with Westover for almost 25 years active. Um, started out with uh, Mon EMS after Desert Storm uh, back in the volunteer days. I don't know if anybody remembers those volunteer days. Um, worked with people like uh, Kevin Seymour, Gary Stroline, Bruce Kuhn, a lot of the older names. Um, and then, then continued with the fire, fire service. Um, started with Jan Care Ambulance in 2000. Spent uh, six years with them, and then in 2008 started uh, Montgomery County Sheriff's Department, and spent the last 15 years with them. And I left in August 19th. August 18th was my last day. Um, August 19th, I declared my candidacy for sheriff of Montgomery County, and started a month later part time with Star City Police to keep up my police certifications while I run for sheriff. So when do you sleep? <laughs> I'll tell you what. <laughs> I worked last night in Star City. I got off at 2 in the morning and was back up. I also do uh, security detail. I've been with the Chestnut Ridge Church security detail team um, with the Sheriff's Department for 15 years. And then they, uh, I asked them if I could continue, and they were kind of like, why? <laughs> so I just explained that they're like family. I mean, um, I've known half the people in that church longer than I've known my own daughter. She's 13 years old. Wow. So I've known them longer than I've known my own daughter. So I asked them, and they gladly accepted me. That's so awesome. That's great. I did that today, and uh, I got about an hour nap. <laughs> so being veterans there, just after Veterans Day now, um, I'd like to dive right in. So Desert Storm, huh? How was uh, you were in what branch? I was in the Army. Mm -hmm. um, joined the Army um, April 1990. Basic training was one station unit training. I was a 19 Delta Scout in Fort Knox, Kentucky for 18 weeks. And then uh, from there I went overseas and spent two and a half years uh, overseas. In the sandbox. Berlin, right? Germany. Oh. So it's good times. Right. Uh, took a significant injury um, and was medically discharged about six months later. And I've been battling that ever since. Really? So what encouraged you to come back and dive into the first responder realm <laughs> after an injury like that? You know, it's one of those things you hear people always say. It's just, it's something that I wanted to do. 
I was like an adrenaline junkie. You know, I could have, I could have joined the army and and got a you know a computers were just starting out. I could have could have taken a job like that, but I took a a job that was like special operations. I went through commando school when I was in Germany. Um, just some of the training was, I mean, small arms, large arms, uh, tank. Uh, Humvees, just all different kinds of things that I got to train with. So um, I come back here and it's you know back to fire trucks and ambulances <laughs> just to get that and keep that cars. adrenaline going. <laughs> police cars, police yeah. Cars. So, so when did you uh, when did you go through the academy? State Police Academy. I went through in 2008 mm -hmm. or 2009. I'm sorry. I got hired uh, September 1st, uh, 2008, and I left about January 3rd or 4th of 2009. What class were you? I was in the 137th. And that was for the sheriff's department. You went right yes. in. Okay, gotcha. So, so jack of all trades. So when we start talking about <laughs> when we start talking about that world of, of of frontline workers, first responders, that's all encapsulating, right? So starting with military, and we've talked a lot about that on on several of the shows of how we see a lot of military folks transition into that world, and so it is, is that adrenaline junkie part. It is that you know that still willingness to um, you know, Help give people. back to their to their Help brothers people. and sisters yeah. and so on and so forth. So it's some of it's a natural transition to that. Hey, before we get, and I, I know you was getting ready to talk, Jason, but before we jump in too, too far, uh, we're flirting between 14 and 17 people. So like always, give a shout out where you're from and, and who you're on. We can see how many people's on. Yeah, I'm seeing some new names on tonight. We can't but. see, uh, we can't see names. You can see names? I can see when people log Comment. on. No, I see what the people are watching for the most part, so. But still, it's always good to get a shout out yeah, and get let's some comments a shout on the board. Out. I can't see that, so. Yeah, I, us, I don't know why. Let us know where you're from. Let us yeah. know uh, your department, uh, if you're if you're affiliated with anybody. Department uh, station or, or whatever the case. One I of like the, <laughs> One of the things that's the most interesting, and, and again, the, the hour before our show, we get to sit around and talk with our, uh, our guests, and we've had a lot of good conversation, but Jason's professional uh, career is nothing to shake a stick at. He, he's done a little bit of everything, but your volunteer career uh, with, the, uh, uh, with the American Legions, the FOPs, the Deputy Sheriff's Association, and all that, uh, can, you, can you just kind of run us down that path of what that looks like? <clears throat> So each, each agency has their, their own like association, almost sort of like a union, if you will. Um, deputy Sheriff's has Deputy Sheriff's Association. Uh, state Police have State Troopers Association. Um, Military-wise, there's, there's several different groups. Um, I'm a member, life member of the Westover BFW post-9916. I'm a life member of the Disabled American Veterans Chapter 45. I'm a three-year member of the American Legion Post 174 in Morgantown. Um, I'm also the ambassador to a group called Mission 22, which uh, focuses on uh, education for uh, the 22-a-day veterans that commit suicide. It's a group there out of Moses Lake, Washington. Um, three special operations guys formed this thing back in 2000, I believe 2013 is when they formed this. So there's a bunch of different things um, that they do um, they attend parades and, and pass out stuff, but, but it's more, more education. Um, and then um, I've been a member of the FOP for almost four years. Um, and then again with the uh, Deputy Sheriff Association, uh, 15 years. Uh, I was vice president for two years, president for three years. Um, 
just different things that we do there. We do the Shop of the Deputy program. Um, we do the Thanksgiving basket program will be coming up. I'm going to, I'm going to hate to miss it. Um, right. it was, it was always nice, you know, always fun to do that. Um, and I think, uh, I reflect back on Todd May, um, was one of our deputies that was killed in 2012. Um, it was one of his passions was, uh, was doing things like that for the kids, doing things, uh, for families, needy families. Um, and, and one thing that Todd taught me, he was one of my FTOs. One thing he taught me was, was, uh, not everybody's got to go to jail. Show a little bit of compassion for people, you know. There's some reason that they've done what they've done. Listen to them. So when I transport people after I arrest them, I listen to them. I let them talk. I listen to them. Other than the ones that are drunk and belligerent that you can't <laughs> understand. But most of the time, they'll tell you a hardship story. You know, some of them, you can tell they're just they're BSing you. But a lot of times, it's, there's legitimate reasons behind behind some of their stories. Now, Todd May, speaking of that, you, you were there. So losing a, losing a brother like that, losing a, you know, a part of the family, you know, the law enforcement family, um, how is that for you personally? And how, what steps were taken, you know, during the event, after the event, to try to um, bring that togetherness back to the department? So, so before he answers that, Myself, I'm not from uh, Mon County, and mm -hmm. some of our listeners aren't. Mm -hmm. What, what, who was Todd? Oh, I'll let him answer that. <laughs> so <laughs> let's do a, let's do a part A. Who was Todd, and then a part B of Dylan's question. So Todd was uh, Todd was a sergeant with the uh, with Monongahela County Sheriff's Department. He was uh, one of the afternoon shift supervisors. Um, Todd loved to do DUI grant, and it was. So happened that night, uh, Todd and I were working DUI grant, and uh, we, he was on Hartman Run Road, and I was on Earl Court. I, th I think it might be flip-flopped, one or the other, but we were both sort of in general area. If he had a stop and was doing field sobriety, I'd go over and back him up, vice versa, same thing, he'd come over to me. And then the incident happened, uh, pursuit, uh, pursuit started, and uh, ended up uh, the guy, I'm not even going to mention his name, goes into Pennsylvania and comes back uh, on I-79 southbound. And Todd's sitting in the median waiting to get in behind the pursuit. And this guy just purposely drove straight out on it, Todd, and killed him. Mm. So on the scene, um, I mean, we, we were all there. I mean, the guys that were in the pursuit behind him witnessed everything. I was just coming down the interstate and... and uh, not 30 seconds behind the incident. And then arriving on scene, knowing that the years I spent in EMS, you know, trauma was like one of my best skills. Um, I hated medical. <laughs> Don't <laughs> but, we all do. But trauma, <laughs> trauma was my best skills. And, you know, and then I'm sitting there and I'm running over and I've got, you know, two more uh, sergeants that are sitting there looking at me screaming for me, do something, Morgan, do something, Morgan, knowing that, you know, I, I'm kind of the only one there that had any right. kind of training. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we, we, uh, we did everything we could. Um, we, we went um, from, the, from the Mount Morris line all the way to, to Ruby Hospital, and that's where, where uh, they'd pronounce Todd dead. How did, how did you guys start to, how did you start to rebuild that? I mean, being, being somebody who you, 
whenever you came up in the sheriff's department, Todd was your initial FTO, is that? Yeah, he was one of my FTOs when I got out of the academy. So you guys grew a bond there, and I'm sure as you continued, that bond continued as well. How oh, did yeah. You, how did you come back from that? I don't know. It was, I mean, I, I, I'm going to say that I still, I still really haven't come back all the way from that. Yeah. Um, I, I, I have a camp down in Elkins where Todd was building a cabin. Him and his brother and his dad were building a cabin. Literally one mile from doorstep to doorstep from where my camp is to, to his cabin. And when I would still get down there, I would see his mom and dad down there. And you can just still see the pain in their eyes. And every time I see that, it just I reflect back. And, you know, I don't know. It's just it's one of those things that you're never going to you're never fully going to heal from it. Um, you're on, you know, you're on fatalities all the time when you're in police, fire, EMS. Mm -hmm. And well, there's a difference of knowing the person. Oh, yeah. That's that's, that's uh, I'm not going to say that's key, but there, there's a huge difference. You know, no one wants to see tragic events happen. Right. But that's the line of work that we're in. But we're we don't we don't prepare to lose one of our own. That that no. would almost be planning for failure, right? Right, absolutely. So when we when you don't want to plan for failure, what was the? So you get the ruby. They pronounce Todd dead. What what then what? Did everybody go home? No, no. From there, um, the administration was obviously they were notified immediately of what happened. Um, everybody kind of went to the hospital. Um, and I'm not just saying sheriff's department. I'm talking mm -hmm. every agency was there. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a it's a it's a brother sisterhood. Sure. So everybody's there to show support. Um, and then we were all told all all of our guys to to go back to the office and uh, just wait in the training room. And the sheriff and uh, they come up with something to to talk to us about. Um, obviously, um, we didn't go back to work. Mm -hmm. um, state police had called people in Morgantown. Uh, Westover, they covered, you know, covered everything up until that for a few days, um, up until a um, few of the guys come back to work. Um, those of us who were actually with Todd that night, um, we were off, we were off for a little while. Um, I think it was two days later, we had a critical incident stress debriefing at Valley Mental Health. Um, thank God for that. That included um, dispatchers. Mm -hmm. Uh, fire department that was there, Pennsylvania firefighters that were there, um, EMS personnel. There was uh, it was a it was a good good group of people and, and good discussion and, and it it helped greatly. It it takes that little bit of um, a little bit of heartache mm -hmm. away from you when you can sit and talk about those yes. talk about that stuff. And, and I think you know that happened in a time where we still had the suck it up and, and deal with it attitude. And what year was that? 2012, February 2012. Yeah, so you think about, you know, the, the amount of time that has spanned since that, and I can obviously see, you know, that he can still, and that's where we come from, first responder community, like we vividly remember certain sure. things like that. And thankfully they did have some sort of, of debriefing. Um, so I think that, that the, the question would become is, you know, how do we, how do we make that, that better? How do we improve that process to be able to, you know, get, get our brothers and sisters to help quicker 
than you know letting it sit for that long because you know there's there may be still people that struggle just like you from that incident you know so what's the longer term solution how do we help fix you know how do we help bridge that gap because you know you're, you're never bringing your brother back i get that but i don't know in the other sense how can we improve to make sure that somebody hasn't had this bottled up for the past you know, 10, 12, 14 years. I think talking about one time, one time is, is good. It's better than no times. Sure. So it's better than taking sure. it home. It's better than than not talking about it. But what's the follow-up? Mm -hmm. and, well, and is there a follow-up? It's not only that, though, but it's, it, number one, it's kudos to you to be able to sit here and relive that in your mind and to be able to share that story. Uh, that takes a... a that, that takes a person of such stature mm -hmm. and such um, mental ability to, to even do that. But, you know, somebody put a comment, it's on, the, it's on YouTube, it says, I think it does a huge disservice to first responders and their families not to have a plan for a line of duty death. And, you know, <laughs> it's, it's true because true. no department wants to, they, they, they don't sit down and do, and say, okay, this is gonna happen here, so we better develop this plan. It may just be a, a, a standard SOP or SOG that's, that's you know, encapsulated with everything else, but what agency sits down and says, okay, this is gonna happen here? And, and, and honestly, they need to. Yeah. Because it's not when, it's not if, it, or I'm sorry, it's not if, it's when. Yep, not if, it's when. That's and one it, of the things we learn in the academy. Mm -hmm. and, and you also, and now you take on today's society that we're living in with the increase of drugs that we're having, um, that, that's a, a, a national issue. And why, why would you not have those resources ready to go at the drop of a hat? Because you know it's going to happen. We're gonna have officer-involved shootings. We're gonna have paramedics that are, that are, are you know, could very potentially be in a very violent situation. We know of one. Sure, I was um, there on that from, as well. Yeah. 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 And, and, you know, fire, uh, firefighters are, are inherently dangerous, you know, with the, with the conditions and things that they do. But you, like, this is something that should be developed, ready to go, uh, turnkey, basically, that, because it's not if, it's when. Well, and I think that to, to, to capitalize on that, that's kind of where some of the idea of, of our organization mm -hmm. came into effect was... You know, there is so much going on of, of, you know, you take that instance, that, that incident in particular, there's so much other things going on. Wouldn't it be nice to just pick up that phone and say, hey, this is what we've got. This is what needs dealt with. And somebody else has that playbook to where, you know, it, it, if I'm the fire chief and I just lose one of my members, I'm not in a mental capacity to go to my own SOG yep. to, you know, you all this next? step, this step, this step. That's right. It's easier for me to call up pick up the phone and say, hey, hey guys, we just had this, please come and help us, and your hands off at that That's point. Right. Because I'm just as affected, you know, which your sheriff at the time should have been just as affected, and you know, every other officer that was involved in that incident, mm -hmm. to where none of you were able to really think clearly enough to, okay, let's go get the handbook out and see what yeah. it tells us next. Yeah, so it was hard enough just to go back to work. Right. Yeah. And try to function. Yeah, so how long were you allowed to be off before you was expected to come back and, and perform your duties? I mean, we, the, the, those of us that were actually there on, on site, um, 
think there was six or eight of us. Um, and we were off for we were off for a couple weeks. All right. Yeah, we did the we did the uh, critical incident stress debriefing, um, not the same day because this happened in the early morning hours. Um, so it was the day after um, we had the critical incident stress debriefing, and after the critical incident stress debriefing, um, Todd's brother Frankie, and uh, he had put a kind of like a get together at Todd's house, mm -hmm. uh, opened the doors to everybody. Anybody that wanted to come was welcome. Um, God, I'll never forget that day as well. Right. It's, it's sad, but it's funny because half the people there got food poisoning. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> they, not sure what it was they ate, but I, I didn't get the food poisoning. But, but I will, I will say one, that was that was quality for Todd. That's exactly right. right. That would have been that's one of the one Todd's last one of, one of his last things. So you you had this incident that was in what year did you say it was? 2012. 2012. And then, if I recall correctly. You, and I think you're one of the few people that I know that's been involved in this, but you've also been involved in an officer-involved shooting, is that? Yes. So, and how long, how long after would, did that incident take place? Um, that was in 20, I believe it was 2019. Okay, so a few um, years span. Um, and obviously there was things in, mm -hmm. you know, you know as well with uh, EMS. Um, I spent, a, you know, time in EMS as well. Oh yeah. Um, so you've seen things from that incident up into 2019, bad vehicle crashes and stuff like that. Um, so like we talked about replacing trauma with trauma with trauma. And it's <laughs> continuous trauma. Yep. Um, and, and then, you know, after that it was, okay, well, you're, you guys are going to be off for a few days and I'm waiting on, you know, the phone call to say, hey, um, we're meeting, you're going to go here and you're going to do this with this group of people mm -hmm. here. We're going to go over this and and have some uh, some follow-up, mm -hmm. some uh, critical incident stress debriefing. Um, unfortunately, it never happened. Um, we didn't have anything like that. We were uh, we were sent to a psychiatrist and, and asked a you know, handful of questions and said, okay, go back to work. And, wow. <laughs> and it was like, wow. So, wow. But it's, it's the, st the stuff like that that just that builds and, and builds and builds and, and just continues. Um, like you were saying about having that, having that plan, that's, that's what I've been wanting to do for so long. And I finally got the foot in the door with Valley. Yes. And the same day, I reached yes. out to Dylan. I was like, brother, you ain't going to believe this. <laughs> you know, and he's all on board, so we're still working. I was in a yeah. meeting not with him directly, but it was uh, the Veterans Suicide Coalition at Valley. Um, I would have got to approach him afterwards, mm -hmm. but it was over an hour late, and right. I had to go. <laughs> We always room. seem to be in those meetings way longer than they're scheduled, which isn't yeah. a bad thing. Right. <laughs> so I had I had to leave and go to uh, go to my other job to uh, pick some vegetables. <laughs> As I'm doing this campaigning for sheriff, I'm I work part time for Star City Police, and I work uh, I work at Operation Welcome Home. Um, I do what's called a high tunnel. It's like an indoor greenhouse, mm -hmm. um, and I do that. And it's kind of like uh, a, a stress reliever. You know, because I'm by myself, I'm with all these you know plants and flowers and vegetables and stuff like that. I get to see this is you know stuff growing from the earth, and I harvest it. And knowing that from there it's going to a group called Healthy Kids, food gets processed and it goes out to you know homeless, needy mm -hmm. people. So um, it's it's very satisfying to to do that, and and you know sort of like my own stress reliever. Yeah. Um, that's something that that you know we've talked about with this yeah. is is having uh, 
annual or biannual wellness checks. You know, We've, yeah, are we, you okay, bro? You that. good? Yeah. You know, those kind of things to where you actually bring somebody in. Mm -hmm. The car wrecks that we've seen over the years. Dylan and I were on, you know, one. My last week as a deputy was my trial, um, almost four years later with mm -hmm. from from uh, Stephanie Eddy. You know, she, a, a coal truck carrying asphalt. And being right there, I was literally, it was, I want to say six minutes from the time the call was dispatched. So I was on scene. I was already out in the Blacksville area. Mm -hmm. So I was there. Um, the uh, Miss Statler from Statler's Market. I mean, I, I hated seeing her on the stand testifying. That, that destroyed her. Sure. I mean, destroyed her. She's not the same. Mm -hmm. And she'll tell you she's not the same. She said, I never want to relive that again. And, you know, it's not just first responders. Oh, she's, she's you know, she's yeah. a grandma, a mom, yeah. and she had to, to deal with this. She yeah. had there and to sit there and, and do what she could to, to tell Stephanie, hey, we're going to do everything we can, you know, until first responders got there. Right. And then um, Sammy Nutter. I've never seen Sammy in that, you know, that, that situation, you know, mm -hmm. when he turns around and looks at me and he's just almost in tears. And he had no idea who she was, but you're so helpless. Mm -hmm. And that stuff builds and builds and builds. I got there later in the call, and you know I can remember coming up to you and and seeing the look on your face. And I I, I think we hugged at that point because I think we all knew at that point what the the end result was. And then I went looking for Sammy because we'd started to 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 do some other things on that scene. Um, but that was a very difficult scene for a lot of people. And none of us knew it at the time. Again, we're in this, this we move on to the next call, and, and, and Sammy actually had a very green uh, Yes, person. I remember that. Yeah, that, that I don't, I can't remember. I, I, I can't remember right now who, who it was, but I don't I'm think she's not even sure that she came back. I don't think she did. I, I don't know. I don't know that she did. I could be wrong and if Sammy's on here. Yeah, Evan. I think Sammy did log on to there, so... But I, I can remember we, we got her a ride back, and, and I'm almost sure we sent her home. And that was a, uh, that, that was a, that was a day that, because we all went to the, the pretrial and all that, and we had to all look through the photos again. And, you know, that's what a lot of, of the normal viewer doesn't realize is, you know, even after the incident, when there, when there becomes charges and there becomes a trial, you know, we re we relive, we it relive it twice, three time times, time four again. times. You know, I didn't I didn't realize you all went back on on. I had again. I had four different hearings for that, four different suppression hearings, and it was, you know, almost every time I went in, it was body cam video played over again, and I mean, I guess, excuse me, I'm I'm somewhat of an emotional person. I get you know I get I get emotional at times, mm -hmm. and and I, I try and testify on some of these things, and I just relive this. Yeah. Here and here and her crying. Yeah. And then now it's that's it. Mm -hmm. And you know, like we like we said, it's one trauma to the next. Yeah. More and and I don't have as much in law enforcement as what it was in EMS. You know, I mean, I've seen I've seen EMS crews go from this. You know, they work cardiac arrest there, ambulance looks like somebody set a bomb off in it. And next thing you know, boom, they're so, they're short staffed as well. Got to go to the next one. You know, yeah. you're grabbing stuff, you're throwing, makes, hey, do I have these? And you go to the next trauma. Mm -hmm. You go to the next call. Yeah. And, you know, it wasn't long after that that I had had another bad call out on the western end of the county. Yeah. We, 
like the western end it, it'll blow up and now it's yeah you know we had some bad fires out there some bad wrecks out there and you know we all it always seemed like the same ones of us were there every single dang time and it was like this is just crazy but there's nothing after that no there and was no critical incident stress no. debriefing there was no follow-up conversations there mm-hmm. were no you all right morgan mm-hmm. what there was on the second one was out off of zeb hot road tractor rolls over on a guy myself yeah. and the other guy we witness it yeah and we get there and i'm looking at this guy the tractor's on they top of this guy yeah we watch it and i'm looking at this guy and he's my, he can't even talk this tractor big tractor is laid on top of him he's bent in half he's looking at me right in my eyes just mouthing the words help me and i can't do anything because we try to pull the tractor off and the wheels were hooked on a more or less a sapling and if that thing would have snapped that tractor would have been right on me and the other deputy two days later i didn't even it it bothers me as a a veteran deputy and and this he's he wasn't you know he wasn't a rookie he had less than five years Mm -hmm. but i didn't bother to ask him you know you all right man Two days later, he says something to me. He goes, man, he said, that messed me up. And I thought, God, you know what? I should have said something to him. Right. And then I sit and think about myself. I'm going, well, shit, nobody ever asked me. Right. Are you okay? Right. And that's that's the problem. Yeah. There is nothing. You go on these fatalities. You need, if it's just a five-minute conversation with somebody, you need to talk. Or a group like this. We just sit around and BS for a few. Right. Like you talk about the back of the fire trucks or mm-hmm. the whatever it was you said yeah. the, the behind the car wash or whatever yeah. it was yeah so, behind the post office you know that and the other. so i guess i guess the question that that comes to my mind is the 2012 incident with todd who made the who made the decision that something had to happen and was that person not present or there or available uh, so to say, when when the other incidents happen, like who who makes the decision when there needs to be a debriefing? A debriefing, mean? yeah. Who who whose decision is that? I would think it would be a group a group thing, you know, to where the the chiefs, the your your fire chiefs, your yeah. your sheriff, your that, chief administrators, that they get together and say, hey, we need to set something up. Mm-hmm. And I think it was actually uh, Bob Music from from Valley who stepped in and said, hey, right? you know, I think we should. You know, we should get something together here, you know, because there's a lot of people affected by this. Yeah. I mean, all the way to, and, and like I always say, I consider uh, tow operators and dispatchers, they're just yeah. as much a first responder as yep. what we Absolutely. are, police, fire, and EMS. Absolutely. They're your first line of defense. Right. If, if, you, so, if, you, if you take that responsibility on as yourself as a first, first responder, though, now we're into that uh, persona of, I don't want to be the person that raised my hand and says, I need help. Right. And and sometimes you have you have certain people that'll raise their hand on behalf of the group, but at the same time, I believe that if we put the right leaders in the right positions, uh, they they have their feet on the ground, out in the ambulances, out in the cruisers, out in the uh, on the on the fire scenes to be able to recognize their people, and I think that. Uh, I want to say when Matt and Mike were here, they knew what was they knew from their firehouse of what was going on because of how much time they spent there. They yeah. knew their crew. Matt, well, Matt sure. was saying that. Yeah. yeah, that he's and and I think your your statement putting you know the right leaders in the right positions is valid. But it's you know 
it's putting the people in the positions that have the ability to have that compassion mm-hmm. to, to be able to understand that if Dylan or Jason or, or, or Josh or anybody walk into the room and they're not their normal self, what does that look like? Maybe, maybe Dylan walks in and instead of, you know, we know how he greets us whenever he walks up here. <laughs> yes. But, I mean, wow. But, but, imagine, but imagine that door opening and Dylan not. We would we would immediately key in on that. Yeah. And go. Uh, what's wrong with yeah, that? What's up? Mm-hmm. And, and and I think that that's where a lot of it is. And I, I think that this is a, a a a larger problem is that people don't take the time to get to know their people. Right. They don't. They I don't, think that's what's key. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's kind of what I was getting to. Yeah, yeah. No, but that's I mean, right. they, they don't take the time to see that Dylan's off, or like what? You, or wait a second. Like you, you never walk in here like that. Like what's up with that? Mm-hmm. And even if it's just pulling pulling them aside, going real quick, just going, "Hey man, are you good?" Right. Yeah. Or, or or watching how that goes, and and I think that a lot of people take they they don't take that time, and I think that that's where the key is when it comes to being able to catch that. And like what Matt and when Matt and Mike or when Matt and Mike were here, Matt said, I know when one of my people walk in the firehouse and they're something's not and something's off. Mm-hmm. I know right. when somebody walks through the doors after a call if it got to them. And then being able just to nonchalantly, don't make a big deal out of it, nonchalantly grab that person to the side, say, Hey man, let's go for a walk real quick. And, you know, don't pull them into an office. You know, go for a walk. Do whatever it is and be like, hey, so that call the other day, man, it was jacked. How, how, did, how, did, how are you processing that? How's that going mm-hmm. for you? And it's not trying to make, and for the longest time, I was so worried that I would make somebody relive the incident, but you have to. You do. You have to relive the incident. You absolutely do. And, then, and that's, that's one of the biggest things, I man, think is, to your terms, though. To your terms, when when you have to relive the incident in the in the caliber of the way that you were reliving it, is different than you reliving it because you want to talk about it. When you're made to talk about something versus volunteering the information to get something off your chest, I think there's I think one's therapy and the other one is is reliving the incident for truly what you don't want. Um, maybe I'm wrong. But that's that's the way that I look. Well, at it. I, I want to put him on the spot just a little bit. You know? No. So as uh, <laughs> how how do you fix it if you become you know witness if you win this election and you get the opportunity to to help build something for the officers that you wish you had then? What would that look like? It would be um, well some of the things that you and I've discussed before, um, either annual wellness checks or biannual wellness checks. Okay. Um, and and like we talked with uh, with the uh, CEO of Alley, yeah, those are things that are they're not on the books, mm-hmm. right? Like he talked about, it, yep. it can affect somebody's career that yeah. you have some of those things, right? But we don't want to not address the problem. If somebody's got a you know, serious problem, mm-hmm. let's address that problem. Let's right. get them the help that they need. We'll come back from this. You know, we can we can come back from this. Right. But if it's just you know an incident where it was a bad crash. Mm-hmm. And you just want to go in, but let's go in there and, and chat about it for a minute. It may be, you know, ah, I'm all right. You know, I've, I've seen a lot of things, but, but the ones that continue to build, 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 build. Mm-hmm. You know, I, one of the biggest things in this, um, I think all of these discussions that we have is I've seen um, people come back from, from critical incidents 
they turned to um, they turned to alcohol. Mm -hmm. It's one of the first things. They turned to drugs. Mm -hmm. They turned to domestic violence mm -hmm. at home. You know, I've talked to, I've literally talked to some of the spouses of the, of the current deputies. And I've talked, they, they, everybody knows I was running. They were, they knew I was going to run, sure. anyway, you know, and I would see them out somewhere and they would, they would talk to me on the side and they would sit there and, and say sometimes, you know, man, I hope you change something in that place if you get elected, because man, you know, sometimes he comes home, he is miserable and it's miserable to deal with. But mm -hmm. again, you go back, you, you got domestic violence and then suicide. You know, one of the things I wanted to say earlier is, is how you talked about military veterans that transition back from the military into first responders. Mm -hmm. Some statistics that I always share when I do some of my, my meet and greets and different things like that are some statistics in the, the, the veteran portion of it where we have... Uh, 22 a day, Mission 22, it's all about the 22. I didn't realize the number was that high, by the way. Oh, wow, no. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, since 9-11, I'm going to bump the numbers because those statistics are up to December 31st, 2021. Okay. I just made that thing. I know. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's a okay. villain role. Go ahead. You're all right. So um, I'm going to bump the numbers up just a hair. Not a lot, but just a hair. But from September 11th, and we'll never forget that, to December 31st of 2021, right around 8,000 soldiers were killed, have been killed in the line of duty. <laughs> the same time frame, 9-11 to December 21, almost 32,000 oh. veterans and active duty military personnel, veterans and active duty military personnel have committed suicide. Wow. Now how many wow. of those active duty or how many of those veterans we're first responders. Yeah. Yeah, probably more than what we care to admit. I know a, a bunch of guys I work with, it, worked with at the sheriff's office were, were military veterans. Mm -hmm. Bunch of them in EMS. Bunch of them in the fire departments. Mm -hmm. You know, lots of them in the fire departments. And they come back. It gives them that sense of, you know, I, I'm not in the military anymore, but I can still help out in my community. Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think, I think that's it. And I've always wondered to myself, why is it that so many people that are veterans, they come back and they get in the first responder. And I've had people tell me, because I want to help, because I want to continue to do what I do. Because when you are in, and I've, and I've never been in the military, never been in part of a, a military at all, but when you go over and you're fighting for something as large as America, as, as a country, I mean, you're fighting for the freedom of this country and your and other reasons, obviously. But, you know, when you come back, having to, uh, what, what is the normal transition period for somebody that's active duty? Um, to, they, um, um, I'm trying to think with, with law enforcement wise, I want to say, um, and I'll, I'll say uh, Steve McCroby was one of the first ones that, that came back from uh, Afghanistan. I think he had uh, like 90 days to transition to get back from being deployed in a combat zone and 90 days to kind of, you know, decompress from all that, transition yeah. back to here and then come back to work. So, now, obviously, they don't just say, boom, you know, throw you right. Unfortunately, that <laughs> that incident did actually happen, and it was, it was a... 
somewhat of a hostage situation, and Steve was the supervisor. And he just literally had just started back to work. I, oh, if if wow. not that day, that week, you know, that he'd been off the 90 days since he'd come back, but it was like that was the first the first call he had where, you know, we're out on Grafton Road, Brewer Road, and this guy's highly intoxicated. He already cracked one round off in the house full of people, his family. So it was it was one of those things, and Steve's just like, really? Really? <laughs> but, right? but, but imagine 90 days of trying to flip your life 300 or 180 degrees yeah. back to a normal civilian after spending God knows how long in a combat, an active combat zone. You get 90 days to flip it back. Yeah. What is, now, but is it 90? And I'm sorry. Good. But if you isolated me for 90 days, or or like, and I'm sure they're not isolated in in, a, in one certain spot, but imagine your own psyche going through that for three months. You're trying to learn how to be a civilian again, but you're also fighting the fact of, wait a second, I, I know how to be a civilian. I've done this before. Why are you? Why are you? I mean, it, it's a double-edged sword. And I'm glad, and, and Eric is a, Eric is, uh, uh, I don't, I'm pretty sure he's still active, uh, but it says, it's because the environment of the military and first responders is very similar, the camaraderie and the structure. Yeah. And, and, and I think that that is where a lot of it come from. Hannah said something really good. Someone once told me that a veteran mentioned to him that EMS is more traumatizing to being deployed because veterans come home and relearn to feel safe. We, on the other hand, keep going in day after day and trauma don't get a chance trauma. to actually yeah. decompress. So right. one of the things that you said, Patrick, was you have 90 days to learn how to be a normal civilian. Are first responders normal civilians? I mean, no. What's your definition? No. What's your definition? <laughs> no. You're right. We talk about you're not normal. That's what I'm saying. Think of the conversations. Well, well Hannah, and, and Hannah's point is that, is mm -hmm. that, you know, there is that time that people are, you know, you get that, that transitional period from, uh, from, and I'm not taking anything away from veterans and none of us are, whenever sure. we say that, but you know, you, you and Dylan, I've sat here and I've listened to your stories, you know, you, you were involved actively in trying to save one of your best, best friends lives after a very traumatic event while you were on duty. Yeah. You, uh, Dylan and myself and, and, and Jason have, have been, we've, we've been able to, uh, you know, we've, we've operated on scenes together as, as a team. And, you know, we've, we've done this. Uh, yeah. Brittany, uh, Brittany put up a good comment <laughs> about whenever she had her baby a couple months later, she had a, a pediatric arrest. You know, where is the reset or the timeout <laughs> for us? Where is the reset? You know, there are some people that will say, uh, again, the suck it up. Now, this is what you signed up for. No, 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 no. When when I went to EMT class, it wasn't to to hold a lifeless child in my arms or to or to hold a, a grandmother's hand while she took her last breath. It was never talked about, and and I think that that is a lot of it. Is EMS is more traumatizing in certain aspects, but also take into consideration the training that uh, people that are going into combat get. We're, what training do we get? We, we can train airway, breathing, circulation all day long. We can train how to how to get fire or get water out of a fire truck. Like we could do all that, but where's the training of you're gonna see some bad stuff, bro? Yep. And, and, I, and I think that that's where you know. That's what ended my EMS career. 
was it was that I, I I quit EMS altogether. I went and worked for Swanson Plating for a year, two years before I went to the sheriff's office. My uncle, um, I was transporting him to Pittsburgh. When he left Mon General, got to the Coliseum, he went to cardiac arrest. Turn around, go back, he died. My mother was in there. It was my mother's brother. My mom was in there with him. That hurt. And then within a week, I had a pediatric cardiac arrest on Dunkard Avenue in Westover. Mm. Baby was seven days old. Mm. Worked that baby for an hour. After that, I said, I'm done. But I will, and I know a lot of people aren't JanCare fans, but I spent six years with JanCare. I will give them some kudos. When those incidents happen, they sent somebody up mm -hmm. to talk to me. I've, I've heard that from several people and that they're on top. I actually it. talked to uh, Todd Cornett, the owner of JanCare, with mm -hmm. what we've got kind of going on. Mm -hmm. And he referred me to Paul Seaman. I'm sure most everybody yeah. on here knows who Paul Seaman is. He's only got the Chinese alphabet after his name. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. And one of the most recent things, he attended a school, and I think he got some sort of degree in it in um, like trauma counseling. Really? So JanCare, I mean, they, they take care of their people, man. I mean, yeah. I remember years ago they had the, the crew in the ambulance that yeah. drove right in the Up back of that tractor yeah. trailer. Yeah, right. And I mean, let me tell you, I mean, it was boom. They were, yeah. they had a team of, of counselors like right, right there. Yeah. We, we talked earlier about having, having that plan. Mm -hmm. You don't ever want to plan for these things. And then I guarantee you, there's nobody that has plans that do these. But I can tell you, Jane Care has a plan. Being part of their management team, we all—I always knew that this is the this is what the, the procedure you follow. If something should happen to one of your employees, this person's contacted first. That person, and then they contact everybody else. And so, you know, the 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 fact of never knowing what you're walking into, and I, I again, I'm like, yeah, I don't take anything from veterans, but you know, we start talking about the typical collapse there. That mm -hmm. was Humphrey, wasn't it? it or it was in Granville. The lower, the very lower end of Granville. You know, so, you know, that was at a time before, like, U-Star teams were a big thing. So, pre-9-11, this, that, and the other. So, here you are in a very unfamiliar environment, taking care of people in very odd situations. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and not only that, but you guys probably had every re available resource, you know, at, at that point in time. So... I can only imagine what kind of experience that was and how traumatizing that was, especially for somebody who maybe had never been in a coal mine or in that environment or so on and so forth. And I know a lot of people um, from, from the older generation of Mon folks that uh, from back in the volunteer days and back before, you know, it was all screwed up like it is, um, that can remember that call and, was, and know the specifics of that call. And that was in around what year? 90? It was mid-90s. Um, I'm not even exactly quite sure. Now you were back from the service at that. Yeah, point, I was right? with okay. I was with Westover Fire Department, and um, it was actually it was a bingo night. Really, it was on a Tuesday. I can tell you that because it was a bingo night. Okay. Um, and I know Gary Lee was there. Giggs mm -hmm. was there. I remember that. Um, just just trying to find the two guys that were underneath there was the one of the hardest things. When mm -hmm. uh, we were able to get down, um, myself and uh, Dave Anderson. Dr. And Dave. Wow. Dr. Dave. Was he a doctor yeah. at that point? Oh, yeah. He was okay. a doctor. Okay. Herzog wasn't yet. Okay. Herzog was really? still, he was still running rescue. Wow. He was running rescue. This is when Monty and Mess was up on, off of Point Marion Road there okay. by the, the steel, the recycling plant. Yeah. In the storage units. Yeah. That's, that's, that's way back. Um, <laughs> but 
yeah, I mean, when you're sitting there and, and you're, you're I, I guess you could say you were underground because mm -hmm. you're talking a million tons of steel that just literally compressed these guys down mm -hmm. and, you know, 20, 30 feet of coal dust, mm -hmm. you know, we've got a passageway down to them now and you're sitting there and Dave Anderson says, we need to cut these legs off now so we can get him out of here. He's going to die. And the other guy on the other side is where Giggs and, and their team were. Mm -hmm. This guy was just kind of pinned. And we thought for sure our guy was going to die. You know, got to cut both of his legs off. We get him out of there. Giggs' guy, he just talking away. You know, yeah, this really sucks, you know, blah, blah, blah. As soon as they cut that steel off of him, compartment syndrome. Compartment syndrome. Boom. He went into cardiac arrest within a minute. Brought him back and then went into cardiac arrest again en route. And he ended up passing away. Wow. The guy that, that the legs were amputated, he, he survived. Hmm. But that other guy that you would have thought, but with that compartment syndrome, man, it just, within literally, within a minute, boom. Damn. So. Is there room in in our industry and when i say our industry you know individually as as law enforcement fire i know it's a little harder with volunteer fire but you know um ems organizations to staff some sort of mental health um position dispatch huh dispatch and dispatch sure. yeah to is there wiggle room and, and I, I think i'd ask that more from from a standpoint of you know, would that be possible at the sheriff's department? Would that be something you could pursue and have your own, some sort of, of, of staffer? I don't even think it would have to be just the sheriff's department. Mm -hmm. That's what I, I think it should be a group, like a, a group line. thing. You Absolutely. It's, it's, you get, you like get, a, like a, yeah, you like, get like them from team. everywhere. Mm -hmm. You have, you have all your team. Like I told you when, when, when we get this group that we finally get to sit down with, mm -hmm. with, uh, with the, the CEO with Valley, I would like to see a handful of the volunteer fire fire chiefs there or an appointed representative. Um, I think Mickey Reinhardt's the the Kinda president of the association. Okay. He would be a good one to be there, yeah. you know. Um, he spent his lifetime in as a first responder. Yep. Um, he would be a good one to be there. But also get a couple of your tow operators. Mm -hmm. Get a couple of your dispatchers that talked about that on here. You know, I, I there's there <laughs> Dispatching wise, I mean that's. I, I feel so sorry for them, mm -hmm. you know, they're they're like the left out group, oh, and and right now it's, I mean it's they they've lost a lot of people over there at at Mecca, um, everywhere. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I mean it, there's been you know all the nine one one centers that, that that even I've had the, you know the opportunity to work with over my years throughout the state. I mean, I think dispatch is one of the highest turned over jobs. Yeah. Especially now that you add, um, and and Brittany would probably be, Brittany, you could probably help me with this, but the amount of people that have turned over at Mecca since, what, 20, 2020. I, I, I mean, like, it, it's almost yeah. a complete. Just go, yeah. Go, go back five years and you're looking at, you know, almost a complete turnover. I mean, you have you do have the veterans there that have been there for. There's not very many veterans ever. left. Right, and there's 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 and, not. But you hear new voices on that radio yeah. a lot. And but but now those people, now think about the the, the veteran people there, the the um, the the people that we, you know, that we grew up. I want to say grew up with, 
during my short amount of time in North Central, you know, I've, I've still been able to grow up with some of these people throughout my, my time. But we grew those, like we formed those bonds yeah. with those dispatchers. You know, and, and then you bring somebody new on and, you know, they're, God bless these people. They're, they're struggling to train them. They're struggling to get them clear to radios and, and everything else. And then on top of that, they have to be able to, um, you know, build those bonds with those officers, build those bonds with the EMS workers, fire departments, and, and so on. And, you know, it, the reason, honestly, the reason that they are forgotten is because it turns over so quick. Yeah. You can't get, like, it's, it's not the way that, and I hate God, I can't believe I'm going to say this. But it's not the way that it used to be. Whenever you, you know, you, when you marked on duty in the morning, you heard the voice, and you're like, "Oh, I know that person. It's gonna be it's a gonna good be, day. It's gonna be a good day." Or, oh, I know that person. I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna go home. Well, yeah. but on on night shift, you know, you got we I, and when I worked nights, we actually spent a lot of time at Mecca. Yeah, and and you got to know those folks more personal. It's very impersonal now. Like, when's the last time that a new hire went and visited the 911 center and got to meet every shift? Yeah. You know, or got to meet every person, you know, took enough time to see and put a face to every voice that they hear on that radio. That's right. And sometimes that's a disadvantage because you actually hear some spatting on the radio that you never get over that because you can't go back to that person and have a civil conversation because you really don't even know who the heck they are. Right. You know. When's the last time there was an EMS picnic? I don't say EMS. When's the last time there was a first responder picnic? Right. Where you just get together with everybody. Yeah. You have that, that camaraderie. That's such a huge thing. It is. And, 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 all, and it's gone. Everything. It, it, yeah. It's, it's yeah. gone. So, I know I know times have changed, you know, and everything is so fast paced now. Mm-hmm. You don't have a lot of that time. We gotta start making time. We gotta See, and that's what I was gonna time. say. We have got to start about, making. It's not about you don't have enough time. If we say constantly that we don't have enough time, then we're we're a part of that problem. Exactly right. And there was a there we was need a, to make the time to do things like absolutely. that. Absolutely, because because that's what's gonna build your team. Yeah. And, and it's not just you know it's not just building your agency team. It's building the entire industry mm-hmm. together sure. you know because we're going to work with the we're going to work with law enforcement we're going to work with fire we're going to work with other ems agencies we're going to work with the 911 center why not like don't and, and i kind of feel like a lot of mental health is revolved around well how are we going to help the dispatchers mm-hmm. how are we going to help ems how are we going to help the law enforcement no uh, jason brought up a, what, what you said earlier is grow that strike force Develop a strike force, and and and, and, I, and this is not just West Virginia, not just Montgomery County, Harrison County, Marion County, wherever. This is everywhere. Build your strike force of people that actually know who the hell your people are. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and Hannah brought up a good point. What if we build a therapist into the budget that solely worked with us? Yes, as long as we worked with everybody. Right. And then mm-hmm. and then the, the comment was made and split between all the agencies. You know, split that cost around and, and don't get so hyper focused on the cost of it. Get hyper focused on what it's gonna do for your people. Right. Because, because the cost doesn't mean anything right. if you want to save you're going to save somebody. Because if you life. can save your exact just one person, if, if one That's person it. gets saved from it, then that person is invaluable. Yes. Let's, let, in reality, all agencies have budgets. Yes. Okay. But one one agency to eat 
that on a budget is is astronomical. They they cannot afford that. But like to your point, if all agencies share it or have a countywide, the county creates a budget for it. Now it's it's split between all agencies. Absolutely, you can do it. And, and we have to give and we have to give credit to uh, West Virginia Office of Emergency Medical Services because they have started down the path of something great and I hope that they continue to see it through with the conversation that we got to have with the director sure. and the state medical director. And, and we're going to be right giving, in the middle of that conversation right. from beginning to end, I do believe that. But but giving that money to the county ahead of time mm -hmm. and, and, and giving them at least, it's not it's not the answer and it's not it's not the fix all, but sure. it's a start. That's right. right. And it's a start for EMS agencies to get out of their, get out of your bubble and interact with the sheriff's department, interact with your fire departments, interact with you know your your municipalities, and grow that strike force. Because when when I have something bad happen to me, the last thing I want to do is go talk to therapist Smith. Yeah, who I, has no idea who you I, are. I, I don't know you. Number one, I don't trust you. Number two, it's because I, I just don't. That's but number three, you don't understand me. Mm -hmm. When I could have That's Jason. Right call me and be like, hey man, what's going on? Or come to the station and be like, hey man, uh, can we go for a walk? That right there is the point. That right there is the key point of being able to take the person that you know, that you trust, and that you have a relationship built with. Because then at that point in time, I don't care if that person sees me vulnerable. But, uh, absolutely. And it, I think when you go see therapist Smith, I think you said, um, That's a generic name, you're by the way. Least... There's a therapist at the Smith. I'm so sorry. Probably a hundred I think, I think yeah. that you're, you're not even going to start to scratch the surface until session three or four before you even start to open up a little bit and let the guard down a little bit. But And then, so highlight your EAPs at this point in time. Five, three sessions? Yeah. Three to five, I think is what yeah. a normal EAP is. Mm -hmm. So by the time that you're just starting to peel back that first layer of the onion, mm -hmm. guess what? Yep. Uh, so your sessions are over. Here's a referral to therapist. I'm not going to say another name. Um, <laughs> All and, of Vito. And, yeah. <laughs> I don't want that. But, but uh, you know, then you're, but you're just, you're prolonging every freaking thing that you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. And you're not getting anywhere. Right. Yeah. Whereas... I could call you, I could call you, and I'm sure to God I could call you, or, and half the people on this thread right now and be like, hey, um, so this, this just happened, and I'm not doing so hot. Now, how many of us are going to do that? I'll be the first one to raise my hand and say, I'm not going to. But at the same point in time, if the people know me, mm -hmm. if the people know Jason, if the people know Josh, Dylan, Patrick, you know, if they know that, and they're like, wait a second. Dylan didn't flip us the bird as soon as he came through the door. Something's up. Yeah, if he come in and said, good, good evening, gentlemen. How are you guys doing today? Right, we know something's wrong. <laughs> no, I've turned over a new leaf. <laughs> so no, he didn't he he tell me to duck on the way in. <laughs> if, if, uh, even though I'm short enough, I probably shouldn't have had a duck. But, but if he would have shown up at 4.30. Yeah. One, <laughs> one of the things that really had, had bothered me about EMS work is the fact that on a typical... Typical shift in, in Morgantown, let's just use that as an example, you know, how many times are you in that ER bringing a patient in? Uh, uh, on average, seven to eight. Okay. And so my, my problem with that system is 
you interact with the same doctors, the same nurses, the same, and in there somewhere is, is a psych resident or a psych physician or whatever, yeah. you know, how come these, you know, WVU Medicine isn't more involved with what we're doing? You know, the, why aren't these health systems more involved with mental health? Why aren't they sending... Because... You, well, because what, who has... Hold on. Here's no, the no, answer. no, wait a second. But the, answer, the answer's already there. Okay. Because they're family themselves. Look at the nurses that are struggling. Right, but so why doesn't that psych resident have to do a rotation? You know, why, how, can, how can we make that happen to where this psych resident has to do a rotation with law enforcement, do a rotation with EMS, do a rotation at a fire station, do a rotation with their own nurses in their ER, and just sit back and, and learn about the traumas that these people are dealing with day in and day out, instead of just, and, and I'm, not, I'm not pointing fingers, I'm not singling anybody out, but, but dealing with the, the SI that comes in for the third time of the week, and, or the guy that wants detox for the fourth time this month, you know, send them out and let them see what these professionals are dealing with on a day in and day out basis. That's, that's it doesn't cost them anything as a residency. Yes, but no, no, but it costs the organization. Okay, so, so a resident. So you want a resident to do this? Well, but it's, but, it's got to start somewhere. It does have to start somewhere, but and that's a the lot thing. Of it, when when this gets started, this mm-hmm. this is this is something that we have to focus on as as a group. Mm-hmm. That's right. We can't start this, and then next thing you know, a year down the road, it just you it know where to go? Yeah. Hey, what happened? You know, flavor of the month. You can't. It's this is, God. This is this gets me so mad. I've been trying and trying and trying for years to do this, mm-hmm. and to get this. And it seems like every time you you take two steps forward or a step forward, you're taking two back. Mm-hmm. And then people are like, "Yeah, the hell with it." You know, we'll just let somebody else deal with it down the road. I don't want to be that person. I want to be that person that that somebody looks and says, "My God, he stood by his word." Mm-hmm. Right. You know, he stayed. He he did this. He focused on this. And he took the right steps, and he got the right people involved, and now it's something that's actually a part of, like the quick response team that we have in Montague County. You know, the first first six months to a year, I thought, you know, eh, I don't know if this is going to last. You know, we right. had people that were showing up, then people didn't show up. You never saw them again. I'm going to tell you right now, we as a quick response team in Montague County, we are the talk of the state. We have mentored people from Kentucky, Virginia. Um, I want to say they were in Michigan, Indiana. I mean, we've gone all over the place. People are going, okay, that Montague County, West Virginia, or half of them caught Mongolia County. Yeah. But that Montague <laughs> County, West Virginia, by God, they got this thing. It's called a quick response team, and, and this is what they do. Boom, boom, boom. They're naming all these things off. And you sit there and you look at the people that we have in this group. We have, we have doctors. We have uh, ministers, Stephen Prince, God loving. Um, our faith-based group. We have pharmacists. We have epidemiologists. Um, we have peer recovery specialists. Uh, coalition and homelessness. I mean, just there's so many groups mm-hmm. now that this is one of those things that, man. At first, I thought this is. Eh. So for for the audience that is beyond our walls and don't know what the quick response team does, give us kind of the thirty thousand foot view of. This is the encompass, or this is the thought process behind the quick response team. Basically, now you you got to understand how this works because a lot of people are they look at it as uh, the wording is uh, natural selection. Okay, Okay. you just said it a minute ago. I mean, the third, fourth, and fifth time detoxing. Mm -hmm. Okay, Um, 
I'm going to throw a shout out to um, Friendship Community and Recovery down on Don Knotts Boulevard, Tanner Ramsey. Yeah. Okay. I can honestly say that I probably Narcan Tanner Ramsey probably five times. The last time I Narcan him, he probably should have went to jail, but he didn't. And I just basically told him, you're going to die. You are going to die. And after EMS had talked to him and he signed a refusal, he came back over to me and he said, Morgan, he said, he said, I'm ready, man. I'm ready. I said, let's go. I took him to Ruby. He stayed. He got clean. He's been clean. God help him. His brother, Travis, overdosed and died, like I think three or four years ago. So he had to deal with that. But Tanner's not the executive director of Friendship Community and Recovery. No kidding. He wow. is doing a phenomenal job wow. down there. They're holding NA meetings. They're, they just held the first, um, and it's going to sound stupid, but uh, Meth Users Anonymous. They just held the first one, I believe, in the state. So they're breaking these things down, not just Narcotics Anonymous. Mm -hmm. They're doing it for Heroin Users Anonymous, Meth Users Anonymous. They're breaking these down. But what the quick response team does is we take people out of addiction as best we can and get them into recovery, long-term recovery. We have places like Lauren's Wish to where it's, I call it the, like the hovering program, okay? You can bring them in, they stay there. They have people with them all the time until they can get into long-term care. You're not doing it like it was back in the day when people were like, oh, I can't get into rehab, I've got a six-month, eight-month wait. No. We've got so many resources available right now that we are able to get people into these temporarily until we can get them into a long-term facility. We're not just taking them and throwing them back out on the streets. I've talked to judges, magistrates, prosecutors. We have the public defender's office now that's on board. You get these groups that'll be, that are willing to sit there and they talk, the public defenders, talk to the prosecutors. Hey, let's, let's give this guy a chance. Get him into rehab. Don't keep him in jail. Keep him in jail. You can get as much dope in jail as you can on the streets. Okay? Let's get him into rehab. If they screw up, they leave against you know, their, their thing, then put them back in jail. But let's at least try to give them a chance. The jails are so overpopulated right now. Right. You've got the yeah. National Guard yeah. that's, that's working yeah. in there. You know? But that's what the quick response team does. We try to get them out of addiction into recovery. Now, you take that addict who's stealing, you know, uh, prostituting, doing whatever to get their next, next fix. Now, you take that out of the equation. You put them into recovery. Now there's no more stealing from that person. Right. So you take the next person. You try to get these people. And you're, it's, I mean, it's common sense. You get them into recovery. They get their kids back. West Virginia used to be number one for children in foster care. I mean, God, let's yeah. get these kids back with their parents. Right. Sometimes there are parents that probably just don't need to be back because they don't want to. But at least give them a chance. Mm -hmm. But we get that. We get them back with their families. Crime rate goes down. I mean, it's a win-win for everybody. Right. I one know. Of, one of the things that you're saying, though, is, and there's, number one, the QRT is amazing. Working with those guys and, and seeing how they operate, seeing how much they, the, how much compassion and, and dedication they have for that group is nothing short of amazing to me. We need a QRT team for mental health. Absolutely. That, like, that, that, that's, <clears throat> the, like, everything that you're saying about what the QR team does, the QRT team does, and how successful they are, how, how successful they are currently, and will continue to be, if if allowed to be. Now take that one step further, 
and make the quick response team for mental health. Absolutely. Make it for first responder based, make it for veteran based because I mean, your, your numbers, I've never heard those numbers that you, the statistics that you were sharing, but they're astronomical. Right. Yeah. It's mind blowing. I mean, but now I would like to add one more tier to that. And unfortunately we would probably have to do a lot of digging, but where's, how many, uh, how many first responders did we lose during that time frame? Not only to the nine 11 tragedy that occurred, but absolutely, you know, but the people, the, the people who did get out that had to suffer with losing their fellow brother, sister, of, 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 of whatever it may be. And we're still losing them from 9-11. Right. Yeah, the, yeah, the long-term you're, medical you're, effects. Yeah, your long-term medical effects. But it is time to develop. And I, and I honestly think that you know, West Virginia, being on the right step, has the ability to lead the pack when it comes to developing a QRT team for mental health awareness, mental health resiliency. You know, we, we call this the resilient responder because we want everybody to be resilient. We want, we want to walk to with that you. Resiliency. Yeah. We yeah. want to work. We want to walk <laughs> on that journey with you and continue down through it. Much like the QRT team is with on the addiction side of it. That is what we need on the first responder side of it. Sure. The third Tuesday of every month at Milan Park, and I'm sure we'll probably change it with the winter months, but the third Tuesday at 9 a.m. Um, every month, uh, Operation Welcome Home, we get together at the track and we walk for one hour. It's open to anybody. It's not just veterans. But you would be surprised the people that show up that have nothing to do with military. They've never had a family member in. They ask. They say, hey, do you care if we walk with you? No. And then they start asking you questions. They start talking to you. How awesome would that be to have you know, a hundred first responders up there right, right. and a hundred civilians up there, you know, yeah. to where now it's not just one hour that we're walking, but it's two hours maybe. Mm -hmm. it, it, you don't have to walk if you don't want to. Just sit around. There's bleachers. Talk. Yeah. There's bleachers, absolutely. Yeah. Or walk a couple laps and leave if you want, you know. But just to get up there and hearing some of the stories, hearing some of the, right. other, the other veterans. Yeah. Um, you know, our executive director, Nicole Gerard, I think she's done like three or four tours in Afghanistan really? as a military police, a female, female military police officer. I mean, phenomenal. And you said third Tuesday of every month? Third Tuesday of every month at, okay. the, at the track at Milan Park. Yeah. What time? 9 a.m. We walk from 9 to 10. Occasionally we'll throw a curveball in there and we'll meet on a, on a, the first Tuesday of the month out at like the Botanical Garden. And we'll just walk oh, the Botanical nice. Garden oh, together. That is nice. You know, just, just to throw, a, throw something in there, just a little, little change. Mm -hmm. um, but there's just so many, you know, you talked about getting involved with ActiVet, mm -hmm. Chuck Gusty, awesome guy. Right. And he has, he has since changed ActiVet to not just veterans. Yeah. It's now frontline workers, first responders. Yeah. Yeah, we had that conversation so, and just a super. And that's great. Super great guy. Um, sounds like he's really got his head on right with what he's trying to do and what he's trying to accomplish and, and really trying to serve the purpose that, and the legacy that his son left behind. So yeah. It's just really if we don't take care of him, we're not going to have that's him. That's exactly that's right. right. I, I was so, during COVID, I was, it, it broke my heart to see my fiance come home from work every morning. Yeah. She's a respiratory therapist. To see her coming home from work and then knowing that she's going to go back to work yeah. and she's going to go back and two or three of the patients that she took care of have passed away. Mm -hmm. okay. And just to yeah. see it in her eyes. Just broke my heart. I sat there. I thought, God, how does she? 
Mm-hmm. I mean, you talk about a strong woman. Yeah, right. But and, and, those and, are the ones that, that, that we need to include in, in this thing. It, it can't just be for your police officers, your volunteer firefighters, your paid firefighters, your EMS personnel. It's all front line It's got to be yeah. the nurses that deal with these things, your Absolutely. ER nurses. Mm-hmm. Your ones that, that deal with all these. But there's, they, they can be separated into different groups. Um, but... You know, if it, like I said, if we don't if we don't start taking care of them, they're not going to be there, yeah. and we're going to be just stuck one. And our numbers are dwindling every day because there's no new coming in. That's right. Look at the volunteer fire departments. Yeah. You're uh, getting three and four toned. Yeah. For a, you know, for something small. For, for a, a for, you're for, for, for yeah, for a medical cough. Yeah. And and there's and no you're sitting here, you're going, who was there? Why in the world were they there? Well, mm-hmm. because the other two didn't get out. Yeah. yeah. And you're yeah. going, wow. You're exactly right. Well, we've been on big calls before where sometimes you you want to take trophies with you for this distance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. What time does the judging start? <laughs> <laughs> so we're uh, we're approaching hour 20. Uh, and yeah, we I, are. I can't believe I, it. I can't either. I mean, it's been um, such a just, – it's, it's just rolled tonight. From the bottom of my heart, I will tell you, uh, having the chance to know you – or to know you as long as I have. Uh, number one, thank you for your service to the country. Thank you for doing everything that you've done. Thank you for your time in EMS. Thank you for your time in the fire service. Thank you for your time in law enforcement. I hope it continues. I thought he was talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Josh. We'll come back. He threw law <laughs> enforcement out there, and I was like, oh, he's talking about Jason. <laughs> but, but thank you for everything that you have done for me personally I'll just start calls that we've been on uh, and thank you for the opportunities to share but also thank you for what you are currently doing and what you will continue to do uh, that, that you're listening to your resume and I know that you and I have texted a little bit back and forth but your resume I knew nothing about it when you and I were on the streets together and I knew nothing about it <laughs> I honestly thought hey, that's a deputy he's kind of cool we can joke around we can have fun and he makes he fun of me, me and I make fun of him. <laughs> but to sit back and watch you, um, th- to watch what you're doing is nothing short of amazing. I knew him before he was a deputy, so. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's funny that you said that because there's been calls that I've been on with EMS, bad car wrecks, trauma calls and stuff like that. And the medics are over there. you got two or three medics. They're doing this. They're doing that. Mm-hmm. And you look, and here comes one of the white shirts. They jump up in the back of the ambulance, and they look at me, and they're going, the hell are you doing? <laughs> he said he needed a couple IV bags spiked. I'm spiking IV bags, and they're going, what? And you hear somebody go, that's Morgan. He knows what he's doing. <laughs> well, <wait. laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I mean, I've spiked a bag or two. I wish, I wish I could remember what the hell call it was from, but I, I was digging through something, and I have a pair of your sheriff's gloves. I have no idea. That's from where they went. Yeah. And of course, these bear paws, they will not fit in them, but I've got them, so I'll get those back. I meant to bring them tonight. And, um, I, I, yeah, I looked right at him, and I was like, I, I bet he forgot he even gave those to me. It was, I don't remember what we were doing. <laughs> well, I will say it's been, the, it's been my pleasure being here. I am so glad you guys have, have started this and, and where it's going, and I pray that it continues. And just know that I'm always here for anything. I've posted my phone number numerous times on here. If yes, anybody sir. has questions, concerns, calls call me yeah, I'm, I'm another ear to listen and with a lot of the you know QRT and, mm-hmm. and, and police fire and EMS 
you know, I've got a lot of good contacts out there. I've got a lot of physicians that are friends of mine. I've asked questions, you know, Greg Schaefer, boom, call him up, ask yep. him a question. He gives you right off, just boom, right there, yep. you know. So anything I can do to help in any way, shape, or form, I'm well, here. I have a feeling you'll be one of those guests that will invite back on, on more occasions. I feel like we've only scratched the surface, and, <laughs> and there's a lot of good comments coming up. And um, I think as people go back and, and as – as the show hits the podcast centers and, and things like that, uh, I think there'll be more questions that come up and more thoughts that come up. So I definitely hope we can do this again and, and have you back. I'd be glad to. Before we depart, a uh, huge shout out to uh, J.B. Kimball. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, uh, J.B., if you're uh, on, the, thank you so much for having us last, last week. He's the uh, chief of Buckingham Fire Department. <laughs> we got to attend one of the county commission meetings where they have uh, – uh, uh, voted to support mental health uh, awareness in Upshur County and, mm -hmm. and even the region around. Uh, so J, uh, JB offered uh, offered us to be there. We, uh, we Dylan and I got the ability to go down. So and speak to the commission. we did. We, yeah. uh, we got to speak with them, and, and that was uh, that was all really cool stuff to see that unfold. Um, uh, FRC first responder coaching. Uh, these gals that we've been dealing with are nothing short of amazing. Uh, the, the programs and the things that they're doing to help us and to educate us further is uh, and, and allowing us to do their podcast even. So uh, thank you to First Responder Coaching, uh, Battalion One Consulting. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they've been dabbling on our page, I see. Uh, yep, yep. They work in close, uh, close partnership with uh, FRC. So they've got a good thing going, and, and fortunately we've been brought into that as well. So A couple we, save the dates that we have are the uh, Country Roads Fire Conference, mm -hmm. January 12th and the 14th in Buchanan. We yep. will be there. 12, 13, 14. So it's a Friday, starts Friday evening and Sunday afternoon. Um, there are some events I know on Saturday evening as well. Hopefully there'll be a, um, a show at some point because that would be a normal weekend for us. And from that show, the 15th of January is EMS Day on the Hill yes. at Charleston. So we will be at that. We're going to have a table set up at that event as well. Um, as always, guys, uh, find us on your local social or on your local. <laughs> find us on your social media platform of choice. Uh, we have uh, Facebook. We have Instagram. We have YouTube. Uh, I'll throw up all the uh, at signs and whatever they're called nowadays. Uh, that way you can find us. Uh, subscribe to us, like us, share us, uh, do everything like that. Also, um, it was actually Dylan's idea, and I can't believe this because you're the oldest. Who's older, you or Josh? He's older. <laughs> <laughs> I've been quiet for too long. I, was so, like, I guess Dil so. <laughs> so Dylan texted me the other night, and he goes, Hey, man. What do you think about a TikTok page? And I said, is this Kyle? <laughs> well, yeah. I know. Give your dad her phone, his phone back. <laughs> he said that to me, and I was uh, like, you serious, bro? Uh, like, uh, we'll I do it. I hate you guys. I really do. So, uh, Deep so down, we, there's a lot of hatred. <laughs> so we are on TikTok. Um, uh, I think that right now I'm the only one that has access to it. Probably. Um, but you'll, you know, I mean, that's the, the thing is, it's just... Just getting little snippets of the show out. And yeah, the more snippets. people you can reach, the better. Right. It's just getting that material out. And I think you'll see a lot of that, you know, especially if we are at a show. Absolutely. Like Country Roads, you know, expect some stuff to come out of that. And, you know, I, I've never really, I've, I've watched some stuff on TikTok, but I don't, wouldn't know the first thing about posting anything on there. So I don't know if it gets edited or how, da, 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 whatever it is. We have so that's what I'm saying. So that's why I cast that with yep. you. So we'll, we'll get some more stuff out there. Can so, I throw uh, one more thing in real quick? Absolutely. 
as the uh, a board uh, board of trustee of the uh, VFW post 9916 last December we had a uh, destruction of flooding uh, for the last year we've been rebuilding everything remodeling everything hopefully we're going to be back open up and running um, and with the approval of the members I have uh, four different memberships now other than VFW member who's those who served in a foreign war auxiliary members those who have a family member that served in a foreign war um, I have a first responder membership which is police fire EMS dispatch tow operators I have a military veteran membership. Those who don't qualify for veteran of foreign war membership, they can get a military veteran membership. And then we have just a canteen membership. The national doesn't allow you to have social memberships, so I decided, why don't we come up with these? Mm -hmm. Awesome. And it gives everybody a place to, you don't have to come in and drink a beer. Come in and shoot some pool. Come in and watch a football game. Come in and talk to some of these old yeah. veterans. You know. Our, our veterans aren't getting any younger. Right, right. I've been trying and trying and trying to recruit some of these, some some younger guys in. You know, um, our guys that are doing the the funeral details, they're in their seventies and eighties. These guys are going to the funerals, going to the cemeteries, twenty one gun salute, in cold weather, everything like that. Mm -hmm. I, I, we, you know, now I'm not asking people to come. Where's that one located? Which, which that's one? on Holland yeah. Avenue in West. West, West Ever. Okay. Yeah. The I didn't know they went through just the down flood. from the fire hall, right? Yes. Okay. Yep. Yep. So anybody, like I said, anybody's welcome. Um, it doesn't cost that much. Right now, if you get it before the end of the year, it's good for the end of the year and then all of next year. Which but, we also uh, talked about doing a little meet and greet and a little social gathering mm -hmm. of our own there. Yeah. Yes. Um, so we could we'll, hold a, a scar show there absolutely. if need be. Yeah. That would be yeah, awesome. So I, I would love to get to, to a point where we do a live one there. We do a meet and greet. Anybody wants to come can come. Open door policy. You know, come in and join us, and, and we'll, we'll do the show in front of the crowd and everybody can just kind of yep. rub elbows talk get to know each other yep uh, be on a lookout for um, some postings that we'll do about upcoming shows there are gonna be some days uh, with the holidays coming in we're gonna probably switch up some days coming up around the Thanksgiving time and then as we move into December so just uh, be watching our page uh, turn the notifications on that way you don't miss anything we'll try to be as proactive with posting and stuff as, uh, as we possibly can <laughs> yeah. Um, if you have questions or if you want to reach out to us about anything, uh, scarsfrservices at gmail.com. All three of us have access to that email. Uh, and it's very much, uh, it, if, you, if you send us something, we're going to respond to you. Yes. Uh, we're not going to leave you in the queue uh, for it. So if you guys have questions, uh, if you have ideas for future shows, if you have anything you want to bring to our attention, feel free to reach out to us. Our email uh, is there below. And uh, we will be reaching out to you guys for our next show. I don't know when that's going to be yet. We're still kind of trying to iron out some details. But uh, again, uh, Jason, on behalf of uh, the resilient responder and scars, thank oh, you. Wait, one second. I'm sorry. Do you guys just to throw it out there, um, like your VFW or anything? We're coming up on the holiday season. Are there any food drives, anything like that? We need to be aware of something that we can get um, ourselves involved with, or have our our, our uh, viewers maybe. I tell you. You know, some of the things, um, I'll just throw them up, you know, Pantry plus Scott's Red Settlement House. Okay. We don't have anything right now at the VFW because we are still, we're about 95% done. Okay. Um, so we're still kind of not doing it. Next year, absolutely. Next year, we're going to haul all kinds of stuff. We're going to, hopefully in conjunction with the fire department, we're going to do like a Santa day mm -hmm. to where the kids can come in. We do have some of those coming up with the Shriners, uh, Dream Machines, the Rotary, um, different groups that are going to be doing those at the VFW. But um the veterans home 
if anybody wants to donate to the veterans home, okay. they can bring anything they want to the VFW. They can call me, I'll pick it up. Okay. Um, slippers, uh, boxers, pajamas, stuff like that for the veterans home, anything like that. And we'll start looking at some of that stuff too. Maybe we'll do some uh, fundraiser. Well, well, yeah, food, food drive, food. angel tree, something like that, where our viewers come together yeah. and do, you know, we'll go out and shop for a couple of, of angel tree or you know anything like that. Absolutely. So. Be watching for some of that. We'll come up with some ideas. I mean, it is coming into the holiday season, and you know, if we don't get out and do something, these long nights uh, make us all more doom and gloom than what we are in the if you're summer. You're bored. I have plenty of right. Yeah, Josh <laughs> is building an addition on his house. He needs people who can swing a hammer. Um, you should have heard about this. He told me when I got here. He said, "I'm the only one that knew how to operate the equipment," and I said, "You, sir." Yeah, because nah, yeah, he was sitting in the, the equipment where everybody else was at. Oh, I'll lift this up for you. I love it. I and think it was a great idea. And he was, and he was no, like, oh, no, it's no. so hard. i got to sit here with this break. And my legs are cramping, Patrick. Oh, my, my, legs, my are legs are cramping. That's a true the, story. The emergency <laughs> break wouldn't work. I love it. I love it. Thanks for being a uh, part of the show tonight. we got to go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Guys, love you all. Thank you. Guys, on behalf of uh, First Responder uh, Coaching, the Resilient Responder at uh, SCARS Incorporated, Thank you guys for joining us, and we'll see you on the next episode.